भद्रम मे अतय मन ओ वर्ड शमा comes from sham to pacify pacification is called shama shamaha and it has a special significance in vedanta shastra in terms of being one of the most important pack of qualifications we have seen vairagya viveka vairagya mumukshutvam and then in addition to these three there is the fourth one which is called samadhi shatka sampattihi shatka a group of six english word is six pack we say six pack abs people who are very much into exercise but this is a different kind of a six pack here we are not looking for bulging muscles in the abdomen and everywhere we are looking for muscles in the mind in the buddhi shama means the availability of the mind and this is not something other people can tell you yourself have to find out how much the mind is available you yourself will know and unlike other branches of knowledge if you go to do a phd they are not going to ask you how much is your mind available how much shama do you have they just say oh you have done your masters okay you are qualified but in vedanta it's different because in other branches of knowledge the subject matter is other than you and for that the mind becomes a uh, the the mind can function as an agent of knowledge and can study and master the other branches of knowledge but here in vedanta what is the my you know what is the subject matter you you are the subject matter and who has to master this subject matter you and immediately we can see what the shastra calls kartra karma virodha and as though contradiction because the subject happens to be also the subject matter of the study the subject is the object of the study and then the subject being the object of the study and the subject having free will being endowed with the karana the instrument called the mind has certain opinions about himself herself and so the mind will it go along with the subject matter of of the self the i as it is unfolded in the upanishads or will it go along with its own conclusions the conclusions that have been deemed 
by the Upanishad as erroneous. I am an idiot. Nobody loves me. Why was I born? Why am I like this? Why do I have these kinds of parents? These kinds of difficult thoughts, repetitive thoughts, thoughts that uh, uh, thoughts that always go to the place of putting oneself down, thoughts that uh, do not stay uh, with me, thoughts that make me run along with them, these kinds of thoughts, runaway thoughts. And so will I go with the, how I am led by the thoughts or will I have the ability to stay with the words of the Upanishad, to chew the cud and to be present. That all depends on how available the mind is. This is why the mind becomes an important topic. The mind, its quality, its availability becomes an important topic in Vedanta Shastra because this is how one discerns one's readiness and this is how one can qualify and increase one's readiness to assimilate the knowledge of oneself as free, whole and not requiring anything to complete oneself. A definitional text called the Tattva Bodha defines Shama the word Shama as Mano Nigraha Mano Nigraha Shamaha and most people translate that as what? Mind control <laughs> and there is a kind of a good feeling to translate like that because the mind becomes what is called the whipping boy because of the mind I am led astray because of the mind I am in trouble because of the mind, I'm having these problems. I'm sad. Why am I sad? Because the mind is sad. Now I'm happy. Why? Because the mind is happy. Now I'm frightened. Why? The mind is frightened. Mind is frightened. That's why I, I have fear. And so the poor mind becomes involved in as a scapegoat for every, every problem the person has. And especially if you translate it as mind control, that seems to reinforce the, the, the erroneous fact that the mind is the problem. Supposing if the mind was just able to stay on one thought, we would be in a very difficult situation. Because it's not moving at all. So what would it do? It would first see the Ganga river. And then it would see the elephant. But the river has not gone. Then it would see the elephant on the Ganga river. Then it would see a pot filled with flowers. Then on the elephant's head, uh, which is floating on the Ganga, then we would see a flower pot. After that, we see somebody holding an umbrella and the person holding the umbrella is on top of the flower pot, which is on top of the elephant's head, which is on top of the Ganga. If the mind were unmoving, this is how it would be. No perception would be possible. 
forget control no perception is possible it would but thank god when i go like this you see the arc of the hand smoothly without any breaks it's not like this like a badly edited video it's not like that it's smooth why because the mind is able to discern movement because it moves it moves and is able to discern this movement because it is able to pick up and then it wipes itself clean so that the impressions of the past do not stay and it's on to a new thought which is able to broadcast thank god the mind is like this already we have problem holding grudges <laughs> imagine if the mind was only in one place then we would be stuck we would be not able to forget anything but the mind has built in memory and forgetting both these are all great 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 boons wonderful boons so the mind is actually a an instrument of uh, uh, of the uh, of the i uh, uh, it's an instrument for the i to be able to gain this self knowledge but who is this i most of the time i think i am the mind this is the problem i is the one who is the sakshi of the mind not the mind itself the mind itself is exactly how bhagavan made it ishvara srishti ishvara's creation and therefore there is nothing wrong with it oh then what is wrong <laughs> what is wrong is wrong with you not with the mind it's not because there is free fear you are frightened you are frightened therefore the mind discerns fear you are sad there is sadness centered on you therefore the mind discerns sorrow and then you come back round and say oh i am sad because the mind is sad no it's the other way round the mind just discerns that's what it does it points out to whatever there is you are frightened therefore the mind says there is fear you are sad therefore the mind says oh look there is sorrow somewhere where and then you own up the sorrow and say i am sad and then you blame the mind and say it is because of you that i am sad so therefore mano nigraha must not be translated as mind control because mind control is neither desirable nor even possible how are you going to control who is going to control how are you going to control the more you say i'm going to control the more it runs away and this was arjuna's problem arjuna was asked to do meditation in the 6th chapter by lord krishna and what did he say he said i can't control this mind i cannot do this i am just totally totally unable to do this if you ask me to bring you a fistful of air i can do that that seems easier than controlling the mind i am not able to control the mind and so therefore this topic of shama must be understood with uh, great precision 
in order for one to see how and how the mind can be managed and what is its role in vedanta shastra usually what happens there is what is called jumping thinking even though we say there is no rhyme or reason usually there is a reason if there is not a reason there is at least a rhyme if you think of a car called honda it is it is naturally to think of what bonda bonda means some nice fried fritters so honda leads to bonda and you say how come what do honda and bonda have in common they rhyme <laughs> so even though we say there is neither rhyme or reason there is usually one or the other sometimes both the reason is not evident it is unmanifest it is somewhere deep down in the psyche perhaps even in the unconscious but the mind is definitely you know is used to leap frogging from thought to thought to thought to thought in a free fall fashion free flowing what is called in english stream of consciousness fashion first sometimes it is spurred by objects of sight or hearing i hear a sound oh that's the chirping of a bird oh that sounds like a nightingale what's the difference between a crow and a nightingale they both look the same but the voices are different and from there i just you know go to that children's verse which says which says the crow and the nightingale give you a run for the money because they look the same but let the spring season come we know which is which and then i think about that then i say oh spring in in western countries the spring is so full of color in india we don't have that much of a spring oh that reminds me these days i feel tired and listless there is not a spring in my step and <laughs> i should not allow people to step on me see this is how the mind goes so from where to where the sound of the bird to i should not allow people to take advantage of me where to where has the mind gone what is its what are its steps how did it go from here to here this is how the mind is throughout the day it is just responding to stimuli outside and stimuli from the unconscious that's what it is doing it's managing both and it is doing this this kind of a thinking is okay especially when you are just going about your day there is nothing wrong it is called vijatiya vritti pravaha pravaha flow vritti thoughts mental formations and vijatiya means separate from one another discrete flow of thoughts is called vijatiya vritti pravaha this is how the mind is and such a mind while it is fine to be for it to be like that but a person the i that does not discern itself between itself and the mind there is no witnessing that i uh, the uh, the ahankara the i notion which is identified as the mind has trouble discerning in itself as stationary observer and the observer of the mind that is going all over the place 
it is it is unable to do that and this needs to be cultivated when it is unable to do that it takes everything personally and then identified with the mind when you study the vedanta then nothing goes in because of two reasons one is there is no focus even when you are studying the teacher is saying that you are the whole oh yeah there are some holes <laughs> that needs to be fixed you know in my house there are some cracks and holes i have to get some i have to get some patti wonder why it's called patti <laughs> and then by that time you come come back round and you realize you are sitting in a vedanta class the teacher has unfolded the mahavakya tatvam asi and you say oh no what happened <laughs> failed the course has to repeat it has to study another upanishad to gain this understanding of oneness like the student in the kathop upanishad who who raised the hand and said upanishadam bho bho bruhi when after the upanishad was taught why vijatiya vritti pravaha so the mind that is good and that is dexterous for us to perceive discrete objects and to have transactions in the world is not best equipped for the study of vedanta it has to be trained the training of the mind is called mano nigraha shamaha because it has to be available how is the mind available which is going from one you know like a frog is a frog available to sit and study vedanta so let's say it is on a lily a leaf lotus leaf sometimes there are these big lotus leaf if you go to thailand and all you find this lotus leaf which is um, half the size of a room huge so you sit on one and the frog is sitting on another and then you by the time you say, say the opening mantra om shanti 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 it has leap frogged that's why it's called leap frog it has leap frogged to another leaf somewhere and then you also go there and say okay now we have finished the opening play, prayer shanti mantra has been done let us sit and pay attention let us study this upanishad and then you start teaching it the kathopanishad it is already gone the mind is just like the frog by then you can't catch a frog they very easily so similarly a mind that cannot be caught cannot be taught that is exactly why we need shama caught again proverbially so this vijatiya vritti pravaha which is perfect for the everyday world when you are not doing something is useless for when you need to focus when you need to focus you need what is called sajatiya vritti pravaha sajatiya vritti pravaha means the thought stay uh, the ability to stay with for, uh, with the thoughts and the ability for the thoughts to stay with the topic two things are here one is the thoughts are trained to stay with the topic and i stay with the thoughts which stay with the topic so that that way i 
comb the mind, make it very comely, pacify the mind, tame the mind to stay with the topic. It's like making the frog listen. <laughs> so how? And that's why we have all these sadhanas for mano nigraha. Again, not mind control, mind management and uh, making the mind available for these teachings. So one particular sadhana is japa. There the sajati of pravaha is extremely evident and tangible. First thought, Om Namah Shivaya. Second thought, same thing, Om Namah Shivaya. And the mind says, really? That's the second thought? What's the third thought? Om Namah Shivaya. Fourth thought, Om Namah Shivaya. Fifth thought, Om Namah Shivaya. In this way, the mind is taught to think Om Namah Shivaya at least 108 times to begin with. Just think Om Namah Shivaya. Simple enough, right? No. <laughs> Not so simple. Not at all simple. Why? Because the mind wants to go here, go there. But I am saying, no, no. Sit. And I am sitting with you. I am also, see, I am not going anywhere. I am sitting with you. We are now in a training session. Om Namah Shivaya. But then it will go. And then you ask it to come back. You say, whenever it goes, I am going to bring the mind gently back. You cannot whip the mind. It will not listen. You have to bring it gently back like the mother catches hold of the hand of the four-year-old who is straying from the footpath, from the curb to the street. Where there is traffic, it's dangerous. So if the mother screams at the young one, the, the, that one will defy the mother and go further into the traffic. So gently, without censuring the child, she has to bring the child safely back to the place where it is safe to walk. Similarly, the I, the observer, the ahankara aligned with the observer, not with the mind, has to then bring the mind back gently. Om Namah Shivaya, wonder where Shiva went. Okay, that thought comes. And then bring it back. No, 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 we'll think about that later. Right now what? Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. So with great difficulty, 108 Om Namah Shivayas are complete. First day, second day, third day, fourth day, like this. And after a little while, a small muscle, the mind grows, the muscle of staying with the thought. The idea is, that in meditation, with the eyes closed, with all distractions gone away, when I am able to be with the mind and when the mind is able to be with the thought for half an hour, let us say, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 48 minutes, whatever one has decided, when I am able to be with that, I am able to keep the mind with me, then in the open eye during the day also, I'll have a better say over the ways of the mind. So during the non-meditative times, I will have a better say over the ways of the mind. 
I will be able to catch the mind and make it sit down and listen to the Shastra without going like a runaway train, a runaway car. A runaway car means a car which the person has lost control. Runaway car or the, the person parked the car and went to a shop right there outside. Thought he or she had pulled the handbrake had not pulled the hand brake and then it was on top of the hill and then slowly the car went away and the person behind is running. It is called runaway car. Usually that's what happens to the mind. The ahankara is running behind to catch the mind to bring it back. The mind has already gone. But with regular japa, the practice of japa, there is some space. And now the mind starts to ask permission. Can I go? No. Sit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Slowly that's what happens. One starts to have a say over the ways of the mind. And when one starts to have a say over the ways of the mind, the mind is available not just during the meditation period. That is only what? One hour at the most. And then it is available throughout the non-meditating period also. One is able to enjoy that depth, one is able to enjoy the tranquility without the, without the mind bothering one. Because the mind is incapable of bothering even otherwise. But still here, now this mind is, is, is in training. It has a leash, it is in training. Just like the dog, you say sit, the mind sits. You say walk, the mind walks. Like this, we train the mind. So this is one half of what is called Mano Nigraha. This practice then makes the mind available for Vedanta Shastra Shravanam. Because all the distractions outside, one is able to see one is able to cognize and one is able to suspend the mind from going after those things. The object of sight, the object of ears, the object of the tongue, the nose, the sense of touch, etc. All of them the mind does not go after because it has learned to sit and it has learned to be available for uh, an available receptacle for the Vedanta Shastra to flow into it. It, it, it is like a, uh, like a river that is dammed. All the water collects in this particular area. If, the, if it is not dammed, it will just keep flowing somewhere. Here it is like a nice water tank. All the, the water can collect, the Vedanta Shastra can collect. It's a receptacle for enjoying oneself as Brahman, as the whole, as non-separate from Bhagavan, Ishvara. So this is one half of what we call Mano Nigraha. The other half has to do with everything inside. The world outside is just a reflection of what is within. But what is within means what? All the things. The unconscious mind, the mind has another side called the unconscious, the subconscious, the unconscious, it has all these components. And so, it is one thing 
to decide to suspend my engagement with everything that is seen everything that is heard and everything that is felt it is quite another thing to decide to suspend my engagement with all the thoughts that are coming from within the mind is a thought factory or at least it's a warehouse of thoughts and so uh, where these are, where are all these that's why it's called warehouse because we don't know where it is and we don't know where the thoughts are coming from <laughs> and so where are these thoughts come suddenly i feel why am i alive oh but i don't feel suicidal how did this thought come up where is some hook somewhere nobody loves me where is this thought coming from there is some hook somewhere a terrible hook is there that that is getting there are triggers inside hooks means triggers and those triggers respond sometimes to the external stimuli and then uh, selectively and then keep on um, what is that word keep on reinforcing one's pet beliefs and erroneous conclusions and one's ideologies regardless of whether they are right or wrong so that is what is happening or the other scenario that we are confronted with is that they even though there are no external stimuli there is enough pain and fear and everything in the mind which is causing it to which is causing it to come out which is causing causing the mind to uh, broadcast this pain and for the i to go behind the mind and own up this pain painful emotions past prejudices raga dvesha strong preferences past experiences you name it it is there and all of this you know this kind of the other half of it is resolving the mind of those painful stimuli from within and from the unconscious when we understand the unconscious as a storehouse of the pains and sorrows of early childhood that already gives some space because one thing we can tell ourselves and tell the mind it's not happening right now there is some strange fear fear of drowning why because one had a near drowning experience at age 4 maybe one doesn't remember but if you ask the elders parents etc they will tell you at age 4 you almost drowned and we have to fish you out and so there is an irrational fear of the water and supposing such a person as an adult falls into the water maybe it is quite shallow it's only 3 feet but the fear is disproportionate the fear is 10 feet and the water may be 3 feet but the fear is 15 feet deep what do you do at that time nobody is around and it takes a little while to uh, find out that the water is not that deep and so in paralyzed by the fear one you know usually is but here when we train the mind we can say one thing okay this happened a long long time ago this is a rehearsal but at that time i was 3 <laughs> now i am 53 <laughs> so therefore i don't have to worry 
At that time, I had no resources. I was helpless, dependent on the caregivers. I could not think. My brain was not well developed. But now I have resources. I am an adult. I can think. And when I think, I see. Now the mind is kind of available to me, yippee. When I think, I look around and say, oh, it's only three feet deep. It's only coming up to here. <laughs> so no problem. If it's only waist deep, then I can come out of it. Even if the current is strong, I can just feel around for some rock or something and hold on and come, come out of it. Not a problem. The shore is right there and it's only three feet deep. So this way, we understand that this is how the unconscious, when it comes up, I, I, I develop the ability to look at it dispassionately. This is again Viveka, Vairagya coming in. You see how they are all linked. Everything is linked. I look upon it dispassionately so that I am able to, I am able to have a say over the unconscious. The unconscious mind is actually not to be removed. You cannot remove it. Just like after gaining this knowledge, you cannot remove the srishti, you cannot remove this duality. And even this inner duality is there for a reason. It cannot be removed. It is Ishvara Srishti. But why is it there? It was there. It was created to protect the child from itself. Because the child is not developed enough to process difficult emotions such as abuse, neglect, abandonment, complex emotions. It cannot. Its brain is not developed. It doesn't have the wherewithal. So, the goddess has put a veil over this called the unconscious, which is dealt in, best dealt in adulthood. So, now is the time to process these emotions. Processing means acknowledging that they are there, acknowledging that they belong to some remote past, even perhaps past life, samskaras, and acknowledging that they do not have the power over one right now. Well, they do not have any power over oneself. And if they don't have any power over oneself, what happens? That they are actually toothless, powerless. Just looking at them, I can do that. And I can do some inner child work, inner child parenting. This is the unconscious, is called the inner child. The emotions arising from the unconscious are so many children. In the beginning, they seem like brats. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Take them away. But I learned to look at them as children. I learned to embrace them. I learned to parent them. I learned to parent them means I train them. This, now it is okay to cry. Now it is not because I am in a meeting and I am expected to function. Now it is okay to get angry because I am by myself. I can jump up and down. I can release the anger. Now I cannot because I am here in a group. Why should the inner child listen to you? Because you are listening to it. You are parenting it and you are bringing it out of a place of invisibility and neglect. And there is a lot of fear in doing that. One thinks, oh, the inner child will run the show and now I'll be angry all the time. It will not happen. As long as you are able to not identify with the child. If you start getting angry and getting upset, that means the child and the parent 
they have have coalesced there should always be that space of observation i am with the sakshi i am observing the mind which which is broadcasting the inner child therefore i reparent that and the mind again there is upashama upashama means what the the slope and the total uh, availability of the mind and the upashamana the um, the comforting of the inner sorrows so from the outer perceptions i gain a certain vairagya and that is part of mano nigraha mano nigraha the management of the mind from responding to every single sound sight whatever so that it's available to focus on whatever i want and whatever i have at hand and then i free the just as i free the mind from responding to external stimuli i also train the mind to be free of all the time identifying with and responding to internal stimuli in the form of past unresolved emotions fears pains sorrow and in fact training the mind not to do that not to respond is just part a of of the enterprise part b is to parent that which has been neglected and resolving the mind further so that the unprocessed parenting the emotion is processing the emotion so that the unprocessed emotions do not come and trouble me at all so this is what is called shamaha mano nigraha om tat sat